0: Hey everybody, you're listening to Big Things with Zach Miko. On today's episode, we talk to Noel McNeil, Jim Henson puppeteer, and bear in the big blue house himself. Now sit back, relax, and listen to the theme song. All right and welcome to Big Things with Zach Miko. Hey guys, I'm your host. I'm Zach Miko. You know me, I host this show. Guys, we launched last week and it has been an absolutely incredible experience. Thank you all from the bottom of my heart for being a part of this. Thank you for all of your subscribing and your rating and your positive comments and your questions for our extra big questions Thursday. It's it's been a blast and this show is a dream come true. And I'm hoping you're liking it. I'm liking it, and I hope you continue to like it. Today we're sitting down, and we're talking to Noel McNeil. Noel McNeil is Bear in the Big Blue House. He was a Jim Henson-trained puppeteer. He was on Eureka's Castle, and he was on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as one of the face guys. He was in Between the Lions, Sesame Street. You name it, he was there. He's an amazing guy. We actually met, and I don't even think we talk about this in the interview. Noel and I met at a New Jersey dinosaur theme park where he played a baby T-Rex, which was 15 feet long, and I played the dinosaur troubadour, the magical man with a guitar that can lull dinosaurs to sleep. And we were hanging out, and we were working together, and... I had no idea that he was bearing the big blue house, a show that I had watched as a child. And it was a very surreal experience and we've become good buddies. We're gonna talk about the art of puppetry. We're gonna talk about what it's like to be a working performer, all this fun, fun stuff. And I can't wait for y'all to hear it. But first, since we're talking about children's performing and inspiring kids and children's TV, I saw Black Panther this weekend, guys, and I was absolutely blown away. It really was an incredible experience to be in a theater. It was packed to the rafters. There was 50,000 people there. If any of you follow me on Instagram, you saw me showing you the extra, extra, extra long line in order to get in. I had to wait for a long time. I got a ticket, and I had a person on either side of me. And if you guys have been to the movies anytime recently, you know that when you Don't get to have your own two armrests. It's a pretty full theater. I was so excited to see it. This is the first time, I think, that a black superhero is portrayed at this level because he's not, I mean, there's this dickhole named Ben Shapiro, if you guys listen to him, I really hate him. Uh, (laughs) He tries to, he's a conservative analyst, not, and again, I have no problem with conservatives, but he's particularly a gross person. And he went on to say, he goes, why are black people so excited about Black Panther? They, they didn't get this excited for Blade. Yeah, because Blade worked in the underworld and killed vampires. He wasn't a superhero. Oh, and they weren't excited about Catwoman with Allie Berry. Yeah, because Catwoman is an ex-jewel thief. That's her whole thing. Whereas T'Challa, king of Wakanda, is a king who leads an advanced civilization in the center of Africa, led by empowered females. It's an amazing thing to see yourself represented in that way. And as a white man, I've seen myself represented that way a million times over. And to see everyone coming out in the theater in traditional African garb and cosplay and all that was so amazing and incredible to watch. I was so happy to share in that with the people. I was so happy to see a movie that was not meant for me at all. It was really a great experience. It's the same, it's very similar to the way I felt when I went to see Wonder Woman in theaters. I just made my wife Laura rewatch Wonder Woman yesterday because she hadn't seen it, for one, obviously, but because I don't think women have been represented that way in comic book superhero movies yet. Everyone's always flawed, everyone always getting saved, whereas in Wonder Woman, she's a Badass. She's the leader. She is stronger than everybody. She saves everybody's life the whole time. It's representation is really an important thing. I got so choked up watching Black Panther, rewatching Wonder Woman, and watching the most recent Star Wars releases, knowing that people of color, women, people of different ideologies are finally getting the representation that they deserve and they've always needed in the world of superheroes. I was always able to look at a white guy and go, oh, look, a superhero. Now, me personally, I never got to look at big guy. They were usually the bad guys or the sidekicks. But I always had it as far back as Little John and Robin Hood. I always had someone to look up to as far as a hero status goes. I feel like this is the first real time in mainstream TV and superhero culture That women and people of color have someone to look up to who is just incredible, doesn't have a flawed backstory who makes them angsty and, you know, had a brush with the law. No, Black Panther, Wonder Woman, upstanding, powerful royalty who use their powers to defend people and to help one another. I am so excited for it, and everyone should go see it. I'm not giving away any spoilers here. That's not what I do. But that led me to be even more excited to talk to Noel McNeil. Because, yes, he's a puppeteer, and he did shows that I watched growing up, like Bear in the Big Blue House, like Eureka's Castle, like Sesame Street. And he always has been able to portray characters who have been kind, who have helped people, and who have inspired children from a very early age to be better people. So, enough talk. Let's sit back and listen to my interview with my good friend and master puppeteer, Noel McNeil. (laughs) So everybody, I am here with master puppeteer. Noel McNeil. He doesn't like that term, but (laughs) (laughs) I chuckle every time I hear it. Like master
1: (laughs) puppeteer, (laughs) but you are one. Yes, therefore we do it. Only it came with the godlike powers and the huge amount of money. Exactly, being a master would be. However,
0: that would be great. But Noel was a Sesame Street puppeteer, old Jim Henson alumni. He was in Eureka's Castle, The Puzzle Place, Between the Lions, and he is most known for being Bear in the Big Blue House. You're bear. That's you. Yes, so. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much.
1: Yes, not many people can, you know, lie and say you know they ran around in a bear suit. So because it's like, what grown man would lie about that? Really. So I mean, okay.
0: I've I've told some stories in my day. So <laughs> so I get it. Right.
1: And true faith out of my wife for marrying me because like yeah, it's like your guy runs around in a bear suit. Yeah, <laughs> and you still said I do. Well, there you go. So <laughs> that's love, kids. Exactly. Exactly.
0: No, you're born and raised in New York City. Yep. Yeah. in
1: Central Harlem on 132nd Street in this now before you think like Central Harlem ooh it's like no 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 this is not like you know running around with the gangs or avoiding no i grew up in a place called the Lanx Terrace mm-hmm. which is this one of six buildings in Harlem that still exists that has a you know terraces and a doorman and an elevator building so we weren't fighting off rats in the hallway or yeah. anything like that no it was like, it's more like the jeffersons except it was in harlem they had really
0: moved nice. on up but not to the east side exactly so. So, yes no and you live there with your mother your my mom grandmother. my grandmother and my uncle yeah.
1: and so uh yeah right after my grandfather died who i didn't know that's when uh, my mom and my father had left mm-hmm. that's where my mom like packed us up and moved us to uh the Lennox terrace which had the last building had just opened back in, like, 1963, something like that, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, and so we lived there. And it was uh, at a corner apartment with, a, like, two bathrooms and a terrace and this amazing view of looking downtown and all the An way apartment around. that
0: nowadays would be a bajillion dollars. Oh, yeah, probably. it's like,
1: it goes for, like, you know, I think it goes for, like, over $3,000 now. In central Harlem, people!
0: I know, <laughs> I know. Right. And the sad part is that's a steal. Exactly, yeah. she so, yeah. had...
1: <laughs> She had rent control, not rate stabilized. Rent controlled, so yeah. it only went up incrementally, like small for so for Very years, lucky. like in, up until like when she she passed away in uh, twenty fourteen. So then she was just paying like over nine hundred dollars a month. Not bad. <laughs> That's pretty great. Yes, exactly. I'm sure the landlords uh, loved her. Oh yes, exactly. <laughs> Couldn't wait to get <laughs> out of there. Oh my like, god! Here, so here is a deposit and interest. Get out.
0: <laughs> so when you were young and you were growing up in Harlem, did you always have an interest in puppetry, or was it? I mean, you were obviously a creative kid. Was puppetry always a big part of that, or was it? Did you kind of find that in a?
1: I kind of f- found it because yeah. I always I always liked. Puppets, because when I was growing up, there was just more puppet shows on. There was Sherry Lewis and Lamb Chop. Mm -hmm. There was Captain Kangaroo, who had puppets. There was uh, Paul Winchell and Winchell Mahoney time here in New York. And he was a ventriloquist, uh, Paul Winchell, with Jerry Mahoney. And he was also, later on, the voice of Tigger. The first voice of Tigger for Walt Disney. Yes. (laughs) And little known fact, Paul Winchell invented the artificial heart. So puppetry can save lives. Time out. Yes. I didn't
0: know that. Yes.
1: Really. <laughs> Paul Winchell, ventriloquist, Paul Winchell invented the artificial heart. Oh, my God. <laughs> exactly. That's yes, that's crazy. A, but he did, yes. That's so, a fun fact right, I didn't so, understand. Yeah, and I was watching those. And then I remember as a kid, I was like, well, I was seven years old. And it was like a Sunday night. And it was a half-hour show on PBS. And it was about this brand-new kid show coming on tomorrow morning. And it was hosted by two puppets. Uh-huh. One that had the shape of a football, and one kind of looked like a grumpy banana. And oh. their names were Ernie and Bert. And they were talking about <laughs> this brand new show called Sesame Street. And they showed clips from the show, including uh, Big Bird. Awesome. Who, it's like, everybody, just take a moment. You can pause. It's fine. We'll wait. Just go to YouTube. Go to Sesame Street, first episode, Big Bird. And you will see a truly frightening <laughs> Sight. <laughs> this sort of like it's like big bird with a pointy head and a goofy voice, like literally ooh, 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 voice. Oh my god. The feathers are pinned like glued upside down. He looks like he looks it looks like adorable roadkill. Oh Jesus. Yes. And our Oscar is orange. It's yeah, so
0: it's not what you'd expect. But
1: not what you expect at all. But then but the fact that I saw a puppet that was actually walking around. It just captivated. Was me.
0: Sesame Street one of the first walk around puppets? Yeah. With the I mean, exception. I mean, I know that like, you know, in China, they've been having walk around puppets for centuries. But yeah. as far as like his main
1: TV goes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like with China like, you know, those dragons, like the yeah. dragon dance. I mean, you could consider that sort of like, you know, a, a puppet, a walk around puppet because it yeah. walks around and it is being animated. But this was the first one that instead of like it was using the traditional style of of. Of puppets, like putting yeah. your hand inside and making your mouth, making the mouth move by moving your hand. But except of hiding behind something, yeah, you were hiding inside the puppet itself and making it talk and making it walk. So it was just completely free. It so could just most walk of the away. things
0: with with walk around puppets. Just so our listeners understand, is where like Big Bird's head is. That's yeah. where the hand is. The hand is, right. and, and the, he's kind of and his neck down is the, next to it. Is
1: was like carol spinney's arm yeah and then where his chest is that's where the head is and inside is a tiny little tv set strapped to carol's chest and a little microphone right on top and his left hand is inside big bird's left wing and there's a string a monofilament that's from the left wing wrist up to the neck and there's a little ring and -hmm. it goes through the ring and it goes down to the right wing which is stuff so every time carol would move the left wing the other one would just naturally move and it's yeah. the same technology we used. We called it the Big Bird technology. We used it for Bear, too. That's So awesome. Bear had a little string that would make his other arm move. So, And I had the same thing. I had a little TV set inside. So you're microphone. going... And so after yeah. seeing that, that's when it was just like, wow. It was like, this was great. And I just watched Sesame Street, even though I was like, you know, seven, eight years old. I knew the alphabet. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to see the Muppets. And they had specials after that this great special called the wait santa claus switch they had hey cinderella they had the frog prince the brementown musicians they started doing appearances and specials with like julie andrews yeah. and carol Burnett on Ed sullivan and then in high school that's when the muppet show premiered and that's when i decided you know jim henson can do it and he's got all yeah. these people following him so yeah. maybe I could do it too. So that's when I wanted to be a puppeteer.
0: So you went to your mom and you yeah. said, "Hey, ma, hey, I want to yeah. be a puppeteer." Yeah. Now, I, be, I, now before this,
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let, let let's go back. Remember, yeah, yeah. this is the, the the single mom exactly who's, <laughs> whose husband walked out yeah. when the kid was 18 months old. <laughs> hey, hey, single mom uh, in Harlem. Uh, You've Taking on taking on two jobs yeah. um, to put me through, because the high school, middle school, high school I went to was called Rhodes, mm-hmm. and it was on 54th Street, so it was a private school. So oh, fancy. yes. Yeah, so she was working during the week and on the weekends to put me through school, as well as taking care of her mom, who lived with us, my yeah. grandmother, and her uncle. So when it was time for college, I did the research, the old-fashioned way, went to the library, which is kind of like Barnes & Noble, but it's free. Yeah. Really do a Decimal System and all. Exactly. And found two colleges here on the East Coast. One was, still exists, it's uh, University of Connecticut in Storrs, Connecticut.
0: Hey, go they, Huskies. There you go.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, they have the, the ball sports thing up there. They do have it. They, they're, they're, <laughs> they're really good at the ball sports. <laughs> exactly. Which is why, obviously, I went to puppetry. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> And within that, in stores, Connecticut, they have a four-year program. To this day, they have a four-year program, a master's degree in puppetry that you could get. And then at the time, Pratt Institute in Brooklyn had a theater department. And within the theater department was a puppetry class being taught by uh, one of the designers and builders of the Muppets. In fact, he designed and built Big Bird and Snuffy. Awesome. And his name was Kermit Love. No, the frog was not named after him. It was just a – again – Freaky coincidence up there with (laughs) the artificial heart. Just a freaky coincidence. The guy's name was Kermit. (laughs) So then I did my research, and then I went to my mom, and I put everything down and said, okay, I know what I want to be. I want to be a puppeteer. And waited for the... I know. (laughs) Waited. And she said, okay, what do we have to do? And I was like, oh, okay, well, we have to do this for this college. We have to do this for this college. Okay, what do we have to do? Well, this is due by then. This is due by then. Okay. What do we have to do that's all she kept saying zach hmm. over and over what do we have to do because she always said to me you can always get a job get a career yeah so that's what she was encouraging And she said and after the end of all this i said you're really okay with this she's like yes and if you decided you wanted to be a lumberjack tomorrow we'd figure out how to do that <laughs> oh that's so <laughs> wonderful exactly so not many people get that kind of encouragement so and then i went to pratt and I studied there actually for three years, and then come my fourth year, I didn't go back because I was the last person being admitted into Pratt, and so they were closing the theater department after me, so I oh, literally geez. would have been in a class by myself, and by sheer coincidence, the assistant for Kermit on Sesame Street, because uh, Kermit worked on Sesame Street, and his assistant helped wrangle Big Bird. The wrangler is the person who preps the puppets for a camera. So make sure all the props are—and make sure everything's, like, the Count's capers straight and, you know, know, Oscar's fully shaken and ratty-looking and Big Bird's feathers are all preen. His assistant quit, so he asked me, would I like the job? Oh, that's great. Micro nanosecond later, I said yes. Yeah. (laughs) And so— Just enough time for
0: it to click over your Yeah, exactly.
1: So I never formally graduated college. I never went back to Pratt. A couple of years ago, out of curiosity, I wrote and asked, how many credits was I shy of actually (laughs) getting— My bachelor's degree. And they said like, you know, 92. And I was like, 92 credits. It's just like, yeah, I'm good. I'm yeah. Like, that's <laughs> I was a, like, that's yeah.
0: you going to school for like three more years. I know. Just and like, you're just like, no, no
1: I'm, I'm okay. Thank you.
0: I had to do the same. I did the same thing. I left my college early (laughs) and and I did get an associate's degree, which uh, means I can be an assistant manager at McDonald's. I found out is the only job posting I've ever seen requiring an associate's.
1: What what college did you? Uh,
0: I went to Albertus Magnus College in New Haven, Connecticut, and it was kind of similar to you with the theater program closing down, but they didn't tell me before I started doing it. (laughs) (laughs) So when I applied to this school, it was a BFA in theater. And I got to the school and they're like, hey, it's now a BA in theater, not a BFA. And I'm like, "Okay, that's weird cool yeah, but, but whatever i'm yeah, already well here right. and then it b- went from a ba in theater to a a bachelor of science in communications with a concentration in performing arts which meant i was taking what one, which <laughs> meant i was taking one acting class a semester and i was very lucky that my my director and teacher at the time al De fabio just mm-hmm. kind of took me aside one day and he was just like so what are you doing here <laughs> and i was like i'm trying to be an actor he goes yeah you're not Gonna do that here. He's like, like, he goes, I love working with you. I'll put you in every show. We'll we'll, we'll continue, but but you should move to New York. You should go for it. And he was the one who told me to apply to the American Academy of Dramatic Art. So I applied to the American Academy of Dramatic Art, the Trinity School in Dublin, Lambda in London, and Circle in the Square in New York. Also, the Gaiety School at Trinity said yes but then I couldn't figure out a visa situation. Lambda said no to the full conservatory program, but I can come to the one-year conservatory program. I didn't know what that meant, so I was like, let me not do that. Um, uh, Circle in the Square said no, thank you. Wow, that's (laughs) very New York. (laughs) It is very. (laughs) And then uh, the American Academy of Dramatic Art said yes, and I went there for two years, and I got my (laughs) conservatory training and my associate's degree because it was also the only conservatory that offered in a a degree at the time. Because okay. normally it's just a certificate program. Like right. you did very well. Right. And you actually get education instead of a piece of paper, which is very strange
1: in the US. <laughs> okay. I actually just
0: I actually a conservatories you actually just go and you learn things. <laughs> rather than <laughs> I was about than, to
1: say, what is the difference between like a conservatory and like you know it, an exact school I mean
0: like, it's it's I was there you know, eight hours a day, every day, Right. just, just trilling. And we did, it's classic training. So we're doing Meisner and we're doing Stanislavski, but we're also doing movement and we're doing vocal production and we're working on Shakespeare and we're doing periods like the Greeks and restoration and all. And it was amazing. And I learned more than I'll ever use. <laughs> um, <laughs>
1: But, but you got but it standing by, just in case. Exactly,
0: like, I can do whatever you need. If podcasting doesn't work out, I'll right. start remaking Christopher Marlowe. we will be
1: looking at those like you know modeling photos of you now. It's like, is he doing a Stanislavsky kind of posture? Oh, I am. Is he doing oh. a Shakespeare pose? Oh, is he? <laughs> if I
0: wasn't an actor, I would not be able to model at all. I'm. I'm. That's really totally, interesting. Totally, because I I never wanted to be a model, so I kind of just went with it and i I went i approached my first couple jobs as an actor as me going okay uh i'll play the part of this brand and i'll do it so it worked out well so anyway back on track you so you're a oh it's still on
1: track this is fascinating oh no it is like this is great it
0: is (laughs) it is and i love being interviewed but it's your (laughs) So you're a puppet wrangler and you're so when was the first time they allowed you to actually step behind? Because I know in Sesame Street, you became all of Snuffleupagus's family. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) At one point. Yeah,
1: I was like, so this was like in September of like 1982. And I was like wrangling. And then I guess around 83, that's when I got cast. Like as my like my my first thing like right out the gate was like I got to be the cashier yeah for this bit with Grover which is online on YouTube once All again right. after I tell you the story then you can like go and look off YouTube and we will still be here it's uh like Sesame Street Grover supermarket and Grover's online mm-hmm. and the cashier and it's a wide shot and the cashier is there and so you can see like he's in the back of the line he's not in the front of the line and now he's like in the middle of the line. <laughs> Okay. And then just as he gets to the front of the line, that's when I have a line that says, sorry, this is closed. Please go to the next register. Thank you. Oh man. And I blew it. I flubbed it. Aww. <laughs> flubbed it. And even and even like ducked down. It was just like it was like first time I'm saying it. And I flubbed it and I just went, Fuck. <laughs> and Grover looks down and said, Say what? <laughs> <laughs> So then, that's oh, so no. then. So everything was good up until that point. So what they, what we do is we call a pickup. Yeah. So we looked for the pickup point, and the pickup point came right after Grover's line, and it became a close-up of my character suddenly saying, sorry, this <laughs> register's closed. Next <laughs> register over there, thank you. So I screwed up, but I got a close-up as a result of so it. <laughs> <laughs> so he goes over to the next line. And I'm playing that register, but he doesn't, uh, cash register, but he doesn't say anything. And he, everybody rushes over, and everybody rushes past him. So think Grover is in the back of the line once again. But yes, that was my first time of doing anything on Sesame Street. Yeah. So. And I was back in, i us say, when I started, it was like season 15. I got this great little pen as a rap gift, season 15 pen with like big bird's face inside this little like bubble. At the end of it, they just wrapped.
0: Was it one of the ones where you turn it over and Big no, Bird it didn't. Loses it was no, fingers. no, no. It was oh, just no. like a silver pen.
1: at <laughs> Sesame Street season fifteen, and like this stupid little bubble on the end. And you saw Big Bird's face inside of it. It's it like, it almost like he's kind of like imprisoned, kind of like, like the three prisoners from Superman. So he's like just oh, his face is end. in there. Yes, yeah, so, so he's just kind of just you see his space. face like looking at you through this little bubble. And that was it. That was season fifteen. Now they've just wrapped season forty nine. So next year is the fiftieth anniversary. So just to show how far the show has come. But then after that, I started to do more background stuff. I started to do right hand. So right hand means like if um, for the practical hand characters, Ernie, Cookie Monster, occasionally like Oscar, it takes one puppeteer to do the head and the left hand and another puppeteer just to do the right hand. And
0: that's the way like Ernie also works. Yeah. Ernie works works that
1: way. Cookie Monster works that way. Occasionally Oscar works that way because he's technically a practical hand puppet. Yeah. But then I would do also background like chicken or second ground to the left or Now when you
0: started goal. doing your right hand, you were literally the right hand for Jim Henson.
1: For yeah. Good every now, yeah, every, yeah, yeah. Every now and then, yeah, I get to be like you know, know Jim's right hand for Ernie, which was like great. Or I know is yeah. that like <laughs> coming up
0: to like like how surreal of an experience. I always think of like you getting to work with Jim Henson be the same if like all of a sudden I was doing a scene with John Goodman and yes, it was to exactly. Go yeah, yeah, and you're trying to hold it together. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just
1: like, yeah, it's like that's why I was like him and Frank, like all the Muppet guys, but particularly like. Jim and Frank, cause I didn't see them as often as I saw the other guys like Jerry Nelson or Richard Hunt yeah. or, or Carol, because they were there on a daily basis. But Jim and Frank would only come in during insert week. Yeah. So it would just be like because the way the way it was set up, there was like there was the street set, and then there was this what's called limbo, this sort of this like area off to the side where you could mm-hmm. put anything up. And so during insert week. The street wouldn't be used and it would just be these sets going up like Ernie Burt's apartment or the Count's castle or yeah. a supermarket or a park and it's all raised up. It's raised like five feet off the floor hmm. on these sanctions and the cameras get raised up on their pedestals so this way the puppeteers can walk around and the cameras are just shooting the puppets from the waist up just like you would shoot a human yeah. but this way it's just more comfortable for the puppeteers because normally like, on the street you're lying down on your back. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say.
0: It's like when you're doing um, the scenes with with people in in Sesame Street. Is that the case?
1: Yeah, you're usually sitting on the floor or lying on the floor and holding the puppet up. And, yeah, there's this great bit online, again, on YouTube. uh, It's with uh, the singer Feist. Yeah, And uh, she had her song, One, Two, Three, Four, parodied on Sesame Street. And it's a great bit. And it's just like her music video where there's only one cut. There's only one cut point so you have and it was took the entire morning to do it because yeah. it takes you know it's it's 12 puppeteers because there's like there's four monsters there's four penguins then there's also four chickens and it's each character is a puppeteer so it's 12 puppeteers yeah. and we have to be in the frame and then we have to zip out and then come back in again and then at the very end is all these puppets crowding around her and then as the camera pulls back all the puppete- all the puppets like peel away until finally In this beautiful wide shot, she's just standing there by herself. And it's like, where did the puppets go? (laughs) So just trying to fit every. But that's when we're on rollies, these little, like, kind of like pillows with wheels. And we're just rolling around on our butts, holding (laughs) the puppets up, (laughs) or just standing to the side. But during the insert week, that's when you're just standing up and Jim and Frank doing Ernie and Bert, which is great to watch, let alone actually getting a chance to, like, beat Jim's right hand. (laughs) Because
0: Jim Henson didn't originally want to be doing just puppets. He wanted to no. be a filmmaker.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah. yeah. In fact, Jim is like, you know, known for saying that, like, why would anybody, you know, want to make a living doing this? <laughs> would <We> you <laughs> tell puppeteer now? It's just like, what? Like, no, yes. it's he's just like Jim Henson's
0: like the godfather of modern puppetry. I know. It's like
1: it's kind of like the Pope saying like, do you really believe this? Holding up the Bible. You know, it's like kind of thing. like so it was like, yeah, he it was just a way he wanted to get into television. And yeah. it was a way of getting into television. So that's why locally, when he was growing up in Baltimore, there was this station nearby DC that they needed programming. Yeah. And there was, you know, they had an ad for We Need a Puppeteer. So that's when Jim just like made some puppet on the fly <laughs> on his own and just went down and did it. So that's why the early stuff when Jim and Jane was also yeah. his co puppeteer. It's just they would put on a record and then just lip sync to the record and just like do incredibly silly stuff. Yeah Just from a, like a record But that was his way in And the same was thing Was that with
0: the one where I don't know if it was Jane Or if it was him and Frank The y- The Skull York. The Skull The York the, yeah. uh, the the Your Face song Oh yeah was like, Yeah, yeah that,
1: that ended up on I think it was like on Ed Sullivan Yeah And it was like Yeah it was like that Yeah it was Jane <laughs> I thought that it. was
0: the funniest thing yes. ever For people who don't know It's uh, One puppet is uh, Serenading another yeah. puppet That's just standing there Yeah and then that Pretty poem. much it
1: was Kermit It was like It was a very early version yeah, of Kermit Before like, Kermit was a frog yeah, was yeah, just this sort Kermit of like was serenading thing.
0: And this, it was this very like plain, dopey looking character, and right. then it starts slowly eating its own face. Right. <laughs> it comes in, right. and then the character turns back, and there's just this skull, skull. sitting there A skull
1: named Yurik who's just like sitting there. And Ooh, then he starts to very slowly like start to chew on Kermit's arm and oh, leg and starts it's to eat him. Oh, so like, funny. Yeah, it was just like, yeah, pretty much. And, and a bit like was always just like you know exploding or yeah. <laughs> or like getting eaten or fainting so yeah yeah it's like early stuff stuff like that so that's what they that's what they did so when the Muppets were this huge success Jim wanted to get into like you know the movies yeah he wanted to do movies so then he realized the Muppets are my way of getting into the movies just yeah like puppets was my way of getting into television so that's why it, you know the first movie was like the Muppet movie yeah <laughs> and they just led to that and then. Doing things that he wanted to try, like The Dark Crystal.
0: Yeah, which right. is awesome. Which Would. they're re releasing in theaters, like, yes. like in the next month or right. two, and or I whenever I, this happens. And I know,
1: <laughs> I know Puppeteer friends of mine, Alice Dineen and Victor Yard, they are over in London, even as we speak, working on the Netflix series, yes. prequel of The Dark Crystal. And I got to go to uh, the shop in uh, LA and look at stuff, and it looks incredible. So, yeah. And they are really doing, they, they want, Add certain CGI elements, but uh-huh. mostly it's just like the original. It's so much puppetry and so much practical that is and so props, good, which is wonderful to see. Yeah,
0: yeah, I mean, because I mean, how much. Of a detriment has CGI been to the puppet world? <laughs> just like, Is it just like, <laughs> just like just an arrow through the heart, I basically? Just, it was
1: like to me? it Was like the '80s was great because yeah. every commercial somehow had to have a puppet in it. So the '80s yeah. were wonderful. Then the death knell came, Midnight, New Year's Eve, 1989. It was like the '90s, and it just like just it was few and far between. And it just so there was more kids shows that had puppets yeah. on it. It's you know there was Uyghur's Castle but there was also a lake was window blue's room was the sequel to blue's clues and of course and then was Ubi and then Bear but yeah in terms of that it just became more and more CGI cuz everybody thought you know CGI is so cheap no it's not it's way more expensive no yeah it, it is way puppetry. more expensive yeah. yes exactly so it's not cheap what happened was like the people in charge of like kids programming primarily women didn't grow up with puppets yeah, the way my generation did. Yeah. So they don't like puppets. <laughs>
0: well, didn't you, s- you, I remember you told me once that the head of PBS Yes, herself, Linda Szymanski has gone yeah. on
1: record more than once publicly saying, I hate puppets.
0: <laughs> it's PBS. Exactly. The puppet. Right. Which is why Sesame Network. Street
1: had to bring itself down to a half an hour in order to, to stay on PBS. Jeez. Because of the fact that being an hour gave viewers too much time to change the channel and so yes that's exactly. just well, insane well it's it it goes back to even though it's it's children's television yeah. it's part of show business yeah and there's a reason why it's called show business totally and sesame street and mickey mouse clubhouse and you know spongebob all these brands that your kids and you grew up with loving it's all part of this business yeah and so there's like a bottom line to all this stuff Jeez. Unfortunately. So people are always so shocked when they hear, especially with children's television, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah
0: <laughs> no, they're still making money.
1: Yeah. <laughs> off it, of your uh, child. <laughs> I know.
0: It, it's great. Now, yeah. speaking of making money off your child, you've been developing your own show for quite some time now.
1: Yes. Been trying to, called the Show Me Show for kids with autism and special needs. Yeah. And I tried twice to uh, do a crowd funding. Mm-hmm. And I got some money to do like little videos and little, little things, but nothing in terms of like the series I wanted to do. Yeah, of course. So that's why I created the channel, the show me show channel. I'm going to start putting more videos on and just getting more word of mouth and getting more exposure so that then once they see how popular it is, that's when a streaming service like Amazon or yeah. Netflix would see it. And that's when they would get the interest.
0: Now, when you bring a show, especially one that's like focused on Kids with autism and special needs—something that is great on every aspect—and you'd think people are so pumped and excited about it. When you bring that to a network like uh, Schmizny or, or 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 uh or, yes. or whatever, right. what, what what are their? reactions? The, uh, like, why, like d- not to name them. not to name names <laughs> or anything. What what is their reaction? Well,
1: what? people have said, "Have you ever, like?" Pitch this to, like, you know, PBS or, yeah. you know, to, like, Disney. Again, going back to what I just said, these people hate puppets. Yeah, <laughs> I went to one of the kids' networks. We won't say which one. And I pitched a show before the Show Me Show. It was uh, a music show of yeah. uh, how music is created. And it would have starred my friend Aaron Nigel Smith, who's this really great ent- family entertainer. He's really good. You should check him out. And it, he would have been the host, and it would have been the animal characters. Mm-hmm. And it would be on an island. And I was prepping it with my friend, Michael Schupach, because his company was going to build the puppets. And they made a map of the island. And they had like little figures. Aaron did a little sample of the theme and all that. And I pitched this to the producer. And, you know, and she right off the bat said, it's puppets? I said, yes. and It's like, well, we, we've learned that that only really young children like puppets. Mm-hmm. Now, technically... I didn't say this, but your channel is for very young children. I know. <laughs> so I was like, okay. And then it was a great pitch that was kind of like watching the Titanic, just like very slowly, just like sink. sink. Oh, my God. And so at the end of it, I knew like she wasn't going to buy it. So then that's why I just asked, look, what do you really want? And she said, Noel, I'll be honest. If you could come up with a show that has CGI or even inexpensive 2D animation, where during the course of the adventure, the characters have to collect things that we can then translate into merchandise that kids at home have to buy. That is what we want. Oh. And oh. I say this to people, especially parents, and like appalled. It's like, yeah. again, people, this is why it's called Show Business. business. <laughs>
0: exactly. Yes.
1: So, oh. yeah, there's but. actually this really great documentary on Netflix right now called The Toys That Made Us.
0: Oh yeah, I haven't watched it yet, but I saw it. Yeah, like, and it's it's and it's really
1: nations. interesting seeing like and it's four, only four episodes, and I have yeah. watched two of them. The one, the first one, is about Star Wars, of the course, the toys for Star Wars, and then the third one, which was even actually more fascinating, was He Man and the Masters of the Universe, and oh, it was man. very interesting. And you look at these toys, and it's it's a business. Yeah, I've done appearances at Toy Fair, and I gotta tell you, some of the weirdest people. You thought puppeteers are weird? No, people in the toy industry are weird. <laughs> Completely weird. People have to go to these things and like buy toys. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, uh, speaking of business, just because it's a business doesn't mean there aren't still great creative things oh, no. that happen and inspire people. One oh, yeah, of the like main Sesame things- is still
1: very great and still inspired and, and still, still pro- needed. And yes.
0: progressive and amazing. Yeah. And in your own show, Bear in the Big Blue House, was a huge success when it comes to not just being a commercial success, but also inspiring young people and changing their lives. I watched Blue, I watched Bear in the Big Blue House when I was, because when it came out, full disclosure, I was like 10. <laughs> I was too old, quotation fingers, right. to watch it. But I loved it. it, it your, the characters yeah. are so gentle and so developed and so wonderful to see interact with each other. How did Bear come about?
1: This is all, like, tied into, like, this really interesting thing of Jim Henson had made a deal with the Walt Disney Company, with Michael Eisner. Mm -hmm. And he had sold, like, you know, The Muppets, and he was going to be developing all this stuff for Disney and finally, like, be able to, like, do the things he wanted. Because he would finally have the means of, like, television and movies and do this kind of stuff. Yeah. Then, unfortunately, Jim died. Yeah. So the Henson family and Disney came to an agreement and salvaged what they could of the deal. And so it became a three-project thing. Yeah. The first development project that they did became a show on ABC called Dinosaurs. Oh, I love Dinosaurs. Yes, exactly. The second show... Were you on Dinosaurs? I was on once by... Just sheer chance. I was yeah. I was out in L.A. and I was visiting Kevin Clash, who was doing Baby. Yeah. And he not invite, the mama. Right. Invited me to the set, and they were doing this scene where Steve Whitmire's character, the teenage son Bobby, yeah. gets talked into going to like a speakeasy. Oh, okay. And he knocks on the door, and his friend, who is kind of like this kind of, like, I think his name was Spike. This kind yeah. Of like grungy no, character. Was. Yeah, yeah. yeah was Spike. His name grungy Spike. character. And he knocks on the door, and this thing slides open and like password and the password is actually a spike just like punching the guy so on a close-up they just needed like a wild hand like just the hand hitting him and so that's when steve said hey no come here uh. <laughs> and just like gave me to put it on it's like it gave me it looked at the monitor it's like action and It's like bam <laughs> it's that's like funny. cut that's it done it's like so then of course that's when like, you know, accounting comes by with these papers, I have to sign a contract I and know, all that. Know, Just you know, like, here you go, action. thank you so much. So that's my one and only time. And to this day I get like, you know, two cents from residual from, <laughs> from to getting re- re- reading show. And actually for years it was re-shown in Brazil. Brazil oh. loved dinosaurs. Now I think it's actually last time I checked, it was on either Netflix or Hulu. Yeah. You can actually watch dinosaurs again. Oh, that's so, fun. Yeah, the whole series. So, so uh, you'll be expecting
0: another two, ch- ch- two ch- coming yes, at you soon. Two So, so that, they're, they're doing so the so deal so that's with intensive. Yeah, yeah, so that's
1: one. Then the second show was a show called Alien in the Family. Okay. So it was like a, a sitcom with this sort of like human marrying this alien. And, of course, the, the kids are a human kid and an alien kid. And there was like a, a baby alien mm-hmm. being performed by Dave Rudman. And that was the second. I think. They did like seven episodes and only three got aired.
0: Yeah. Okay. And
1: so then there was like one more project, development project. And so rather than do something for the network again, they thought let's try and do something for the Disney Channel because they're revamping themselves into a kid channel. Okay. And that would eventually be, be called uh, Playhouse. Playhouse Disney yeah. before it became Disney Junior. And so let's develop that. And so they had just met with Mitchell Kriegman who did Clarissa explains it all and signed a development deal with him. Mm -hmm. And so he was rummaging through and he found this sort of a vague concept that he then took and evolved and reshaped into this show about a bear that owned a home and all these little kid critters around him and how he would like talk to the moon at night. Yeah. (laughs) And so that was it. So then I got a, uh, I was actually auditioning for another show and it was like a game show uh-huh. and it was like a, I forgot the name of the game show, but it was like, it kind of was like this sort of like monster character that was sort of like the host, uh-huh. but also thought somehow if you lost, you would somehow be eaten by it. But it was a very Little Shop of Horrors-like. I remember yeah. sitting there and like opening and closing the jaw, and I kept thinking, sitting in there, why don't you just get Martin Robinson to do this? Because Marty Robinson created the original plants. For the original production of *Little Shop of Horrors*, and everything since then has been based on that. Even the movies were like based on oh yeah design. So so it's like why don't you just get Marty to do this? So I was like okay, so it was fun, and then I went home. That was in the morning, and then later that day, like around four thirty, I got this call saying, "No, could you come back? There's like one more thing we want you to audition for," and I was like, "I'm sure." And so they sent me via fax. Yes, fax. Uh. the sides and a picture, this black and white drawing of this bear and these little animals and the moon behind them. It was like, okay, this is cute. Yeah. So in the cab, I'm like, because I lived on the Upper East Side and they were too, and I was just like looking over this stuff. And I walk in and the executive producer, uh, Peter Van Roten, who now is at Warner Brothers, uh, he said, okay, just do your own voice. And I'm like, what? But with the Muppets, we don't do that. Yeah. And he's like, no, no, no. He explained to me that bear was to be designed as the anti barney so that kids and their adults could sit there yeah. and listen to sort of a pleasant voice you yeah. know, without gouging their eyes out. And so it, 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 he was designed so that kids and grown-ups could sit together and watch the show so then they could then have a similar experience afterwards so yeah. that they could continue on and share their day. So I got inside the, the prototype, which was... Pretty much, kind of like bear's body, but without the fur. It's just like this sort of hooped, ringed body, was covered in netting, and this foam head. And I didn't have a monitor, but I could see through the netting, and I could see like the TV set and like the camera. And then I was in, and when I was inside, I was like, "Wow, this feels really fun." It's like it felt really good. And then I realized, wait a minute, it's this is like after five o'clock. I'm the last person. This is a courtesy call. It's like, yeah, I'm never going to get this. And so that's when I just said to myself, you know what? Fuck this. I'm just going to have fun. Yeah. (laughs) And that's exactly what I did. So then when it came time to do things like hold a glass of water and show it to the camera, I just like slammed the the water up against the lens and like had his eyes peering through the reflection. (laughs) And then there was another time in the script where he had to like sniff the kids at home. And so I just ran up and just shoved the whole nose into the lens of the camera and pulled it out and then shoved it back in again. And just and i was just like running around and just jumping and just like having a great time because like I'm never going to do this. Yeah. <laughs> and then that was a Friday. And then Monday, just before six o'clock, as the weekend went by, that's when I got the call. They said like, "No, you got it." That's, a, uh. <laughs> that's so cool. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it was. It was very cool. And yeah, so Bear was great. it's like that weekend actually changed my life because that Saturday, uh, my friend Mike called and a mutual friend of ours, Wes, uh-huh. who was always doing acapella with his group. They were in an acapella competition. Oh, good. Save that five times fast. <laughs> at, over at uh, Symphony Space on the west side. And so he invited me, and he invited a couple other people. Now, he invited an old friend of his, an old friend of his Susan, and Susan had just moved back to New York. And he said, oh, why don't you come and see Wes? Because she knew Wes, too. And she was like, sure. And so she came, but she didn't know anybody there. Yeah. So... We were all meeting at a restaurant. So I went to the bathroom, and then Susan came, saw Mike, didn't know anybody else there, thought, oh, great. And then Mike said, oh, and that seat's for Noel. He just went to the bathroom. Now, Susan always heard of me, but she had never mm-hmm. seen me because this was back in the 90s. So, you know, back when you know, like email was just like, you know, the just frontier. <laughs> just a dream. <laughs> just <Yeah>. a dream. <laughs> just like uh, we forged the path of email. So yeah, yeah. Telling about my friend Noel was on the puzzle place, of Regis Kathy Lee, and he's doing this, yeah. and he was doing that, and, and so she had always heard of me, but she had never met me, but she knew I was a puppeteer. Yeah. So then she had this image of what a puppeteer looked like. Oh man. So it's like she figured, oh, he's probably got some sort of facial hair, maybe a ponytail. I was gonna say Jim Henson always had a mask. <laughs> <period of> like- <laughs> probably a, like a ponytail, probably a shirt that has some sort of beer logo on it of some oh, sort. Geez. And then I came out and then I was like, I saw her, and I didn't know she had arrived. And I suddenly saw her. I was like, Yeah, oh, who, yeah, who is this? <laughs> and she was having a similar thing in her. Man, I was like, Oh, oh, that's the pup. This is this is no.
0: And so you sorry. were cute as the Dickens back then, because yes, I've, <laughs> <laughs> I've seen your old Sesame Street. I've seen your old Sesame Street photos.
1: Yeah, and so we sat each other at the the theater. The next day we went to our mutual friend's engagement party Uh and hung out. And then at the end of that, that's when I asked her for a number so that I could uh, go out with her. And then the next day, Monday, that's when I got Bear. And then later that week, that's when I called Susan to make a date. And so that whole 72 72 hours just changed my life. Oh, uh, that's so great. So then in a way, Bear helped my wife, Susan, because on a trip to London to promote Bear. Uh-huh. I was off doing stuff. And Susan was, you know, by herself. And so a friend of ours who lived in London at the time said, here, here's Time Out in New York. And they had just opened the Churchill War Rooms, which is this great place to visit in London. It's the actual bunker where Churchill and his cabinet yeah. and ministers were like down below pretty much plotting out the war when the bombing was going on. Jeez. And so they had just opened it. It's nothing like, I mean, it, they've really renovated it now. So it's yeah. like, a full, like, you know, presentation, like glass entrances and a canteen. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. But this was literally just opened it. So there th- there was still like parts of it where it looked like people had just walked out the door like oh, yeah. 10 minutes earlier. And so my friend, our friend James, gave her the time out in New York City so here. Because unlike what you Yanks think, the war did not begin on December seventh, nineteen 1941. <laughs> <laughs> so it was she, going on right, before that. So she went there, and she went to the area, and there was like one part in the hallway where she couldn't see like outside at all. And it was just suddenly had this feeling like, what was it like to be down here? And like time collapsed, and just like, what was it like to be down there? And that's when she went back with this idea and just started writing down notes for her First novel, which eventually became Mr. Churchill's Secretary, part of the Maggie Hope series, available on Amazon and your independent bookseller. By <laughs> Susan Elia McNeil. <laughs> I know. Oh,
0: yeah, because she, she's on book seven now. Is that it? Six? Uh, she just, she, it's a lot.
1: Yeah, it's a lot. She just, it's book seven came out. Now she booked, now she's just handing in book eight and working on book nine. Oh my God, that's and amazing. Maggie, yes, and uh, uh, Daisy Ridley you know Daisy Ridley kids I do yes she has optioned the rights so hopefully get <laughs> out of town
0: that would be the coolest thing yes for anyone who doesn't know uh, Daisy Ridley is a uh, ray and in if you
1: really Force don't know Rey that by this point I know it's it's Star if you're Wars listening to on. this and you don't know who Daisy Ridley is really oh
0: that is the coolest thing I can't wait to see Daisy Ridley do I know
1: that. I know it'd be, it'd be really good hopefully it all works right. out right so my wife Credits bear with like uh, the success of like, that is Mr. Churchill's so secretary. Awesome. Yes, that is all connected. Again, the weirdness of puppetry. And I the, know. The places it's taken, and the turns it's taken. Now,
0: you must have had people reaching out to you from all over the world. It, it, like, because for the first time, bear was your show. You did a lot of things where you were, I mean, Eureka's Castle, you were the dragon, you were right. a huge part. But bear was the first time where like this is your show and people hear your voice. And I'm sure yeah. there's some people listening right now that hear your voice and yeah. they go, oh my God, that's Bear. Oh, that's Bear. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God, that's Bear. It was, so, it was so, funny
1: for my, my son, because yeah. my, my son, Matt, who's about to turn 13. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, yeah, have fun with that. <laughs> I know. When he was really little, he loved watching Bear. And so I saved a couple of the, the Bear toys, and I would give it to him. And so there was one where it was, it was a stuffed bear, and he was holding an apple, and you press the apple, and he would sing the alphabet. Yeah. And so little Matt like sitting there and like in his lap and like pressing it and hearing bear sing. So one time I'm in the room and once it goes off I start to sing along and he says daddy no. (laughs) What? No sing. No sing? No sing. You just want to hear bear sing? Yes. So you don't want to hear my voice singing but you want to hear bear's voice singing? Yes. (laughs) Okay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh that's Awesome. Yeah,
1: and then when he was a little older, back I think when he was finally like six, because I always told him because he knew about puppeteers. Yeah, and at that point I was telling him how puppeteers help the puppets move and talk. So you know, that's my friend Carol was helping Big Bird. That's my friend, you know, I Frank love, doing. And, and I love because we've shown him the puppet show. Yeah, yeah. so it's, Frank I'll, is
0: helping uh, Miss Piggy. Yeah, and, I love the term that you that you say. Well, we help these puppets. Yeah, move. we help That's them. so. Yeah. Lovely.
1: Yeah, because the way like, you know, you know how you know, sometimes I help you like up and down, like out of the chair or out of your mm-hmm. crib and all that. And so then he finally asked, It's like, Daddy, who helps Bear? And I said, Do you really want to know? <laughs> and he said, Yes. And I said, Me. And he gives me this like side eye shade kind of look of like, <laughs> what you talking about? And I said, Maddie, haven't you ever noticed how my voice and Bears kinda sound the same? And that's when he closed his eyes and you could see him thinking. And then suddenly he smiled and said, Oh, right. <laughs> 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 yes. <laughs> oh, I love that story. Yeah. So it was great. So then, and with Bear, I got to go to a different places. I got to go to London, got to go to mm-hmm. Mexico, got to go to different shows. Like at that time, there was Donnie Marie, there was Wayne Brady, there was Hollywood Squares. Yeah. Yeah. It was really for the, the Walt Disney Christmas Parade, which was awesome to do because that's uh, the coolest yeah. yeah and just like because then you get like
0: free access to the parks
1: <laughs> and and the parks are like 120 a person so that's <laughs> yeah, exactly that's a good deal <laughs> it was it was perfect it was great so I got to meet yeah i got to meet all kinds of people like whoopi Goldberg, like one of the nicest people ever and that's why Brady and Regis Kathy Lee Kelly yeah. all those people so yeah and a lot of and on Hollywood squares like those celebrities it was yeah. funny bear met them but i didn't really meet them but bear oh, met them Oh no. <laughs> yes yeah, so you know one time susan lucci got to sit in bear's lap so <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah
0: that is so funny now do you have people reaching out to you um saying like because bear was such a different show it was so gentle compared to the wildness of other oh, yeah. tv shows did you have people reaching out to you to, to be like you know Thank you for like like what is it like to hear from a parent or a child?
1: Yeah, technically the child who is now like you know in college. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> or just about to graduate college because time keeps slipping away. Time and keeps So I g- so get the fan emails from from the kids who just like you know thank you for being a part of my childhood. Thank you for Bear from parents who said the same thing. We still like listen to the CD sometimes in the car for old times' sake. Yeah, but then there was the the parents of of kids with autism and special needs who thanked me for the show, and writing back, you know, it wasn't just me, there was a whole team of people, yeah. puppeteers like Tyler Bunch and Peter Lentz and Vicki Ivner and Jim Krupa, yeah. and the rest of the writers and camera, everybody who went to do the show, but they said that um, they still watch it with their kids on video cassette that they recorded, or... Uh, on the DVDs that they were able to find, because it's still such a safe go-to, yeah. Because of the fact that so many shows are like loud in your face, and for kids with autism and special needs, having something as gentle and sincere as Bear, mm-hmm. um, it still it still made a difference. And so that's what gave me the idea for the Show Me Show, mm-hmm. because as I mentioned before, like the networks are not going to do it anytime soon unless yeah. they can figure out how to make a profit off it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So that's why I'm I'm doing it for for them so but yeah it is it is fun getting the emails occasionally that yeah. people can write and just like say thank you thank you for bear I actually mean, we just celebrated the 20th anniversary of bear it was 20 years ago that's on, uh, crazy. In October of uh, 1997 yeah so last year so this past um, December at the Museum of the Moving Image in New York Yes, uh, We had a screening of the Bear Christmas special and myself and Tyler Bunch were there yeah. talking about the show and got to air it. So it was a nice way of commemorating the anniversary. And it was like 20 years. <laughs> That's insane. That yes. It's been that
0: long. Because I, I, again, I remember watching it as a kid. Yes. So the fact that it was 20 years oh, ago was yeah. like, oh Oh, man. it was fun.
1: My, my wife has a new uh, publicist uh-huh. for, her, for her books and so had a meeting with her two days ago and her... Editor, her agent, actually her agent of Levine uh, Levine Greenberg, Mm -hmm. uh, Victoria, was telling us like, tell her about Noah, what Noah does, (laughs) and it's like, oh (laughs) yeah, well, because because any kind of like way you can like help promote um, in terms of PR, any kind of hook. So not only like Susan being the author, but she's married to like you know this puppeteer, so that might be a hook for some people. Might and. She said, My su- husband's a puppeteer. He did this show. He also did a show called Bear in the Big Blue House. And that's when her publishers just like gasped, like, I watched Bear when I was little. <laughs> and Susan's like, Would you like to talk to Bear? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's the <laughs> best. It's like, hold on, I'll see if I can get him. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> she had to be the phone. And I, I just like, Hello. <laughs> oh, I love it. And his groan was just like melting. He's just like, I mean uh, that's
0: that's the powerful thing about like, and that's why even though children's programming is a business and it's monetized but it really changes and shapes people's lives forever and you've oh, yeah. changed and shaped so many people's lives through Eureka's Castle, through Bear in the Big Blue House, through the Puzzle Place, through Between the Lions. You'll never know how big of an impact
1: you actually had. <laughs> yeah, I was like I always say my resume is now most people's childhood memory. So if exactly. you got to watch way too much television as a child, you probably ran across something I did, so.
0: <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Um, no, so the one question I ask everyone at the end of the interview is: You were fortunate enough, worked hard enough, or lucky enough to make your dreams come true, and not just yeah. that, but but many other people's dreams come true. What advice would you give to somebody who feels like maybe that's not possible for them, whether it's based on age or socioeconomic status or race or? gender or, you know, sexuality or whatever. Right. What do you say to someone who feels like it's just not going to happen for them?
1: Yeah, it's like, I don't know. It seems more and more these days we just have this sort of depressing feeling. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why. I, don't. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't begin to think why. Didn't it seems like so hard just to even, like, look at the news. Yeah. Um, but it, I've been, like, also just, like, becoming, like, trying to be more centered and just like trying to in these times be more centered and whatnot yeah. and just uh i listened to for instance another podcast which is a, a good one is uh, the bruce lee podcast by uh, his his daughter and it's 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 a great podcast and that's helped me too but in terms of like like with the, the dreams it's just like just don't stop just don't don't give up because yeah. when we're kids we can do anything. Little kids don't see don't unless it's pointing out to them. Yeah. And so that gets taken away from us bit by bit during childhood. And so until the point where it's automatically that little voice saying, Oh, well don't bother. Oh, why bother? It's like, Oh, you can't do that. Oh and so, you know, that's why I you know, I study Hapkido because it's just like I've always wanted to like take up take up on martial arts. Yeah. And it's like, you know, right now I'm fifty six. It's like And every now and then it's like, no, can you really do this? Like, yes, I am doing this because I've been doing it for, you know, almost two. I've been doing it for two years and I'm still able to do it and I want to do it. And so you just you just got to just not think about it. You just got to just try. Because my mom always believed you haven't failed unless you've tried. Yeah. Right. Because if you try, you haven't failed. You just like, you know, it's not like Bruce Lee would say, like paraphrasing him, failure is only a defeat when you acknowledge it yeah so you know just try just keep trying because life is way too short i'm like i said i'm a parent of you know a 12 year old going on 42 and more (laughs) and more i'm just realizing how truly precious the time is yeah now that i'm not completely brain dead from him being an infant because parents out there will know what i'm talking about and so it sounds cliche but yeah really just appreciate Every moment, like for instance, this moment that I got to have with you, Zach. Yeah, (laughs) this is awesome. It is awesome. And just keep doing it and have and surround yourself with positive people. That's the other thing. Do not surround yourself with people who will only nurture that negativity. It's like you can't, that is just the worst. (laughs) Fantastic. I, I was lucky enough having my mom, and now I'm lucky enough to have my wife, yeah, just to encourage me. So, do it. That's wonderful. Turn this off and then go off and do whatever you want to do. Find your team. (laughs) Thank
0: you so much. Can you do me a favor? Sure. Can you say goodbye as Bear for everybody before (laughs) we leave? (laughs) Let's see.
1: Hey, this was really fun. We hope you liked it too. Seems like we've just begun, but suddenly we're through. Goodbye, goodbye, good friends, goodbye. Because now it's time to go. But hey. I say, well, that's okay. Cause we'll see you very soon, I know. Very soon, I know. Goodbye, goodbye, good friends, goodbye. And tomorrow, just like today. Zach and the Bear (laughs) and the Big Blue House will be waiting for you to come and play. To come and play, to come and play. Bye now. Oh Noel Thank Uh you so
0: much Everybody please Follow Noel On all of the Social medias The Instagrams The (laughs) the Twitters The the all that And follow the Show me show Keep up with the Development of that On the Facebooks The Instagrams The Twitters All that Pick up Susan McNeil's Newest book The Paris Spy The Paris Spy Part of the uh, Maggie Hope Mysteries And we will talk To you all later Noel thank you so much Bye Bye Yes. Find your team. I love that idea. There are so many people in this world that want to bring us down. It's so important to surround yourself with loving, incredible people who support what you do. And just just go out there and try. Just like Noel says. It's not a failure unless you... You can't call it a failure if you haven't even tried to do it yet. So just go out there and make the most of your life. Remember, it's your life lead it in the most authentic, amazing way possible guys. Again, thank you to Noel for being on the show today. If anyone has a buttload of money and uh, wants to fully produce the show me show by Noel McNeil, I'm sure he would be happy to take them dollars and give you that executive producer credit. It's an amazing show. I watched the pilot. I've been talking to him all about it. It's so important to nurture people of all abilities. And I think it's going to be an amazing thing. Go check out Susan McNeil's newest book and and follow them on all of the social medias. You guys are savvy. You know how to do it. Don't forget to send in your questions for extra big Thursdays. Uh, you can send them to me on Twitter or Instagram at Zach Miko, Z-A-C-H-M-I-K-O, at Facebook at big Things Pod on our page or through BigThingsPod.com. Guys, thank you for being incredible. Remember you're incredible, because I remember you're incredible. Now go out into the world and do big things.